0: This is the A. I'm Reg Clay, and Norman G. <laughs> uh, Norman G's on location, so uh, we'll, uh, you know, he'll be sporadically in and out. This is the A. where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. And we Yay. have, yeah, there you go, Norman. <laughs> we are sponsored by uh, Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Zleifler. Central Works reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we always want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us. And we have jerseys so we want everyone to, you know, buy our jerseys and um, we have a special guest coming from Hollywood, California, Michael Vega. Michael, how are you doing?
1: I'm well, Reg. How are you? Great to see you. It's been so long.
0: I know. It's been a long time. I was just saying that uh, I met with uh, Susan. Well, Susan had sort of a Zoom uh, going away party because she's going to Charlottesville. And we were talking about the good old days and we talked about uh, uh, acting at Theater Rhino. And uh, I think that was the last time that I was involved in Theater Rhino and you were there. And we did 100 Years of Queer Theater. Yep, so yep, uh, yep. lots of one- wonderful, cool memories there. Uh, Norman, I don't know if you hear me, but uh, have you ever done anything with Theodore Rhino?
1: Yeah, long, long time ago.
0: Um... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we are. um... I'm going to drop off of this. This is this
1: is frustrating. I am so sorry. I am at rehearsal, so I just want that to be
0: out there for the public. It's okay. I'm at you, rehearsal you, for Pericles and yeah, for Pericles, um, I'm studying. <laughs> yeah, no, <none> no, <laughs> and and we're excited, so uh, it's it's fine. If you have to drop out, that's that's totally fine, and uh, we'll we'll keep going. If, and if you want to, you know, chip in, just jump right on in. Okay, um, but in the case, and of course, I would ask you, how's your week? But you know, you're you're busy. You're doing the thing. You're doing Pericles. It's been
1: Pericles. It's been all Pericles all the time. I'm understudying three. I've been understudying three actors in the last week. Oh my yeah. gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that that gave me anxiety just just hearing it.
0: <laughs> no, it's all good. And actually, you posted a picture of yourself, or someone posted a picture of you. and You're holding a menacing baseball bat, and I was like, wow, I love it.
1: Yes. Yeah, that was the unexpected character I suddenly was filling in for. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I'll jump into uh, current events. So obviously this is the 20th anniversary of September 11. And Mike, you and I were talking about, you know, your time in New York. You were actually there during September 11. Uh, What were your memories? I mean, what was going on when you were there?
1: Uh, So. I we lived my my now ex we lived tenth uh, between fifty four and fifty five so Hell's Kitchen or or, or Clinton or, or you know whatever name um, it's going by this this year uh, and so I woke up I don't know it may have been around nine nine thirty and the first plane had hit and I made coffee and I turned on the TV and I saw the one plane had hit and I, I reg literally for a good minute or two I it didn't connect with me that this was just downtown. I, I thought, Oh, is this, you know, I'm half asleep too. I thought, is this a film? What's this? I don't know. Mm. And then my phone rang, you know, but you remember back when we had landlines. So my landline rang and it was my mom and she's like, are, are you close to that? Cause she has no sense of New York or, you know, how far midtown is from, you know, downtown. And that's when it connected like, Oh my God, this is, this is down the street. Um, so it was a lot of just, I, I just paced the apartment all day. There was this sort of dead feeling of, I don't know what to do. You know, I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna eat. My, my ex, you know, he came back uh, home and uh, yeah. And there were a lot of things happening during the day where, you know, there are fires breaking out on, you know, uh, underneath in the subways in that area. And so we were getting these stories saying, you know, be prepared to walk, go out on foot be prepared to leave your place. So we had bags ready, you know, so it was a full day of, I don't know what's happening. I would go onto the roof, you know, the, the plane that, uh, that landed in Pennsylvania, they didn't know where that was for the longest time. So I would go onto the roof and I'm looking for a plane coming our way. And yeah, it, it was just crazy. And the months to follow just, it continued.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, were you downtown? Were you in Manhattan or were you in Brooklyn? Um, where are you staying?
1: I was at my apartment, 10th uh, between 54 and 55. So I was in, in, in Hell's Kitchen, living there.
0: Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, for those who don't know, that's sort of, when I think of Hell's Kitchen, I think of the west side of Manhattan.
1: Yeah, I could, so if you if I went on my roof, I could see the glow of Times Square. Yeah. So that's kind of how close, you know, a couple of avenues, a few blocks, you know, so fairly close to that, which in terms of New York and downtown where 9-11 happened, yeah it's it's a few miles away but in a sense it's not it's not that far
0: yeah no 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 i totally uh, i remember when i was last in new york of course this is going back to 1991 i lived in alphabet city uh my last year uh well actually my last year i was in the bronx but um yeah so yeah the west side i think that's uh that's close to the um not the east river maybe the east river um but in any yeah. case no yeah it's, yeah, it was. Uh, I imagine it must have been a really, we had uh, Kim Donovan on and she talked about being in New York as well and just the breathing the gas and also, I mean, the the um, the dust, you know, the, uh, the yeah. air quality was horrible. And also just the uncertainty, you know, what's going on? Absolutely. What's going to happen next? Also, there was an anthrax, you know, a lot of millennials don't realize, remember, there yeah. was an anthrax. I was problem. getting
1: my mail, I would get my mail and I would do, open it in the hallway and I'd cover my face and I do it with like a letter opener thinking, you know, I'm going to be anthraxed, Um, the time to follow, you know, the following days and months, uh, the morbidity of just walking around, and there are missing posters everywhere, people missing family members, on the west side highway, there were, I'm getting chills now, because I I so clearly remember, uh, you know, people with missing signs, you know, entire crowds of people, you know, have you seen, have you seen, Yeah. you know, Mm -hmm. there were roadblocks, and there would be random evacuations of a subway, and it just, it was constant.
0: Yeah, no, I, no, I, I, um, I, I can just, just imagine, and you know, and of course, you know, I was right here in uh, San Francisco. Um, it, it, very, very crazy times, and I think you know, twenty years from now, it's, it's important to remember, and there are also some remembrances, and hopefully we've crossed the threshold. Although I guess there are new threats now. I mean, um, there have been a couple of, uh, and we try to, you know, do, put in some current events to show, you know, what's happening mm-hmm. now, how our reaction is. But um, I have written down Texas, Texas, Texas. They passed a law that uh, you can have open carries, you know, uh, without any worries. No abortions, voting restrictions. Uh, it's, and it's odd. I mean, I, I was born in Texas, but I would never, yeah. never live there. Um, do you have a reaction to what's going on there? And, of course, other states are going to try to follow. I feel, I feel bad for women.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I can't wrap my, my mind around the, the, the thinking – the, well you know i read some of the uh, the bills and how the legislation's written it's clear that the people writing this legislation do not know how the human body works do not know uh much about the the, the medical side of this yeah um, right you know when they do a 6 week rule you know 6 weeks it, it when a woman when it's determined that a woman's pregnant it, it's a ballpark as to when she actually you know you know was became pregnant you right. know there's she, deb- she may not even know yeah and usually women don't know until until several weeks in and and then there's the misinformation you know when 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 we talk speak of late-term abortion you know late-term is like 21 weeks it's not you know as as our former president would say oh the baby comes out and then we kill it you know so there's this there's people who don't know any better who are thinking oh late-term abortion oh my god you're killing babies no, you're not that's that's not the way this works and and that's not even legal in, in to to do so yeah it's it's just a lot the misinformation and and people with with you know their differing agendas uh writing legislation that just yeah that they just shouldn't. Uh, yeah, don't get me yeah. started on open carry.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, it, and all of this, none of this would have happened if uh, Trump hadn't been president for four short years. We think, oh well, what damage can you do in four years? Well, he did an awful lot because we have Amy Comey Barrett and we have Kavanaugh, and now you know there's a six, I think a six three advantage for the Republicans. And yeah. it's just it just violates rights. I mean, you know, if you're a young unmarried, I mean, if you're a 16 year old in Texas who got raped, you know, it, a lot of these folks think, well, if you had sex and you're choosing to have a child, it's your fault if you get pregnant. A lot of times it's it's not your fault. You don't choose to get pregnant. Sometimes you don't even choose to have sex. You know, that's yeah. what rape is all about. In any case, it's, it's really, really horrible. And I'm glad that the Justice Department is suing Texas uh, regarding that. Good. Uh,
1: Yeah, we tell this story uh, uh, with with a sense of humor, but my mother, my sister, and I are both mistakes. I was born, my father was wearing a condom, I was conceived, my father was wearing a condom, and my sister was the pill, so...
0: You were you know? adamant to be born you were adamant that, to be born
1: well i i like i got to that, that 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 you know the end of that condom and it was like a stage curtain
0: yeah <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there you go yeah and of course we laugh about it but these are the things that happen i, I remember yeah. a, speaking of a new york story i remember dating a, a haitian american new yorker who was all street tough or whatever at 17 18 years old and i was you know a college student or whatever and of course she took me to Planned Parenthood because she wanted me to get an education on what women have to go through pap smears and yeast infections yep. and things like that. And it was an eye opener. I was like, hey, this is what women go through. And that's the importance of Planned Parenthood. It's not just about abortions. It's about education and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, my mother said
1: that she wasn't ready when when I was conceived, but because of religious, you know, her, her, deep, or, you know, her parents, deep religious beliefs. And yes, she was 21. She was of age and married. But they weren't ready to, to have a child. I mean, I'm thankful I was uh, uh, allowed to be born, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I couldn't, in talking about it, if she had chosen to terminate the pregnancy, I couldn't, I couldn't slight my mom for doing that because she knew she wasn't ready. And that's why my father was wearing a condom. So how can you tell a woman, no, you can't terminate that pregnancy when they did everything they could to prevent it?
0: Right. It punishes the woman. And of course, it doesn't punish the man at all because, you yes. know, there's no and, you know, how can we call America freedom, you know, a land of the free if half people aren't free because they're being, you know, there are these laws mandated and written by individuals who would know nothing about what's going on. So, yes, yeah, so there's that. Then there's the ivermectin. Have you heard about ivermectin? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good old Joe Rogan. He uh, he sort of opened that up. But basically, for those who don't know, it is a drug mainly for if you have worms, and uh, but some people are using it as a vaccine instead of doing what the CDC tells you to do. Just take the vaccine, and a lot of times the vaccine is either cheap or free, especially if you have insurance. What's the big deal? I, you know, I I don't understand what people are doing. So. In
1: case anyone doesn't know, it's it, it's. It... For worms for farm animals, <laughs> right, right. Generally given to to humans. Um, you know, as far as the vaccine goes, and that, I take it back to the the misinformation train that 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 our former president forty five fostered and fed, and uh, and it affects not just people who watch you know Fox News or or, or Newsmax or any of that stuff. It, it affects it permeates everything. You know, my mother who. Is not a a uh, you know doesn't vote GOP. She doesn't watch Fox News. None of that. She's 73, living in Florida with COPD, and was afraid of the vaccine mm. because of what she heard. So that mm. misinformation even permeated into somebody who's very very liberal and, and intelligent. She just she was just scared of it. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, finally I got her to 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 get it, and you know she got it. and She was like, I don't know what I was scared of. I'm like, well, no. No shit, ma.
0: <laughs> right, right, exactly. No, it, it, and she was very thankful to have you. I mean, gone are the days where you can read, you know, like, I mean, now you have 24-7 news and you don't know, like, if I see something on CNN, I have to check the New York Times and other news sources to see, okay, are, is this being verified or whatever? So I can understand how people can get their news from 15 million different places and they don't know what the real truth is. Yeah. I mean, people are still worried about Johnson & Johnson. It's like, okay, I got two shots. Is that enough? Some say yes, some say no. Some say you need the third shot. So yeah. you really don't know. Gone are the days of just reading the New York Times and you know, and Wall Street Journal, or listening to Walter Cronkite, and that's it. You know, you don't question the news. Now you really have to be informed to know what's going on. Yeah.
1: And then you have you know, have news organizations with 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 you know these agendas. You know you ha- you have news people who are telling people don't get the vaccine. Who have gotten it? Who who, got, who were first in line to get it? But they're saying, "Oh, it's awful," you know. There there's a vaccine mandate at Fox News, but yet they're on air telling people, "Oh, it's terrible." I you know they may have pivoted uh, recently, but you know while they are all enjoying the the benefits of a vaccine, they're telling people, "Don't get it," and yeah. that's that's plain evil.
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, you know the. My mother used to say, you know, the truth, you know, the truth sustains itself. You know, if you try to tell a lie, you can fool a bunch of folks, but eventually it comes back to you. So, you know, Fox is dealing with that. And they're also dealing with lawsuits because now they're being sued for the misinformation they spread, which is why they're sort of backpedaling. One last thing, and this is sort of a fun thing because, you know, not to get way too (laughs) (laughs) serious. The Queen has recognized Black Lives Matter. I feel so wonderful now. (laughs) Have you heard about this? (laughs) Queen Elizabeth II. I'm like, oh, we can breathe now. And it's just whatever. I I roll my eyes. I was going to ask you, um, we have talked to a lot of folks who had to endure the Trump administration and have been triggered. Women, um, black people like me or whatever. But, you know, as someone... um, a proud gay man. I mean, how, have, how did you endure, I guess, you know, four years of Trump? I mean, obviously you're living the life, you know, you're living a fantastic life, but have you had to, you know, endure all sorts of, you know, just psychological stuff, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I don't, uh, um, for those viewing this, I, I'm, I am a person of color, you know, both of my parents are born in Puerto Rico. Um, so yeah, it felt like, uh, it, did I, do I, oh God, is it advantageous? I found it advantageous, yes, to have a fairer skin at the time, you know, a, 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 which is terrible to say, but, you know. Well, I, it is what
0: it is. I mean, you don't choose your privilege. I mean, it's there, you know, yes. it was there before you were born.
1: Absolutely. But then I saw it through the eyes, you know, I saw the, the, the time of the riots and, and the protests through the eyes of, you know, my sister is married to uh, my you know, I call him my brother. My brother-in-law is a black man. and So all of my nieces and nephews are Puerto Rican and black. And I just I saw it through their eyes, these, these young people's eyes that, you know, they're seeing their their stances as an equal human in this country, you know, just being stomped all over. And that that broke my heart more than than anything I had to deal with.
0: Yeah. And it's one of the things that we while we talk about, you know, um, the things that happen in the world, although this is a theater podcast, because especially in the Bay Area theater community, we write about these things. We put it on the stage. You know, uh, Linda Mile Hassan wrote about um, Cheer, Story of a Dreamer, which talked about, you know, a young girl who didn't realize that she was not documented or her family wasn't documented and how that affected her. Uh, A good friend of mine, um, David, uh, oh, shucks, um, I forget his last, David Stein. Wrote an appointment in Sonora, you know, talking about you know what's happening in um, on the border, which is still happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not in the news now, but you know, kids are still, we're still trying to find you know those kids who were separated. Mm-hmm. Where are your parents? You know, so that's a, a very real thing. And one of the last projects that I've done, uh, working with the Brecht project to reinterpret uh, Bertolt Brecht's um, uh, judicial process to talk mm-hmm. about what's happening you know, during the Trump administration. So the things that happen in the world, we as actors or creatives, we reflect it out and uh, to, you know, show the world what's going on. And with that, let's get into an origin story. Michael Vega, for those who don't know, you're an actor, uh, you're a creative, you've done, um, you've been in film, Logan Cash Money, uh, Married, Tom Cat Strapped. I'm looking at your your internet (laughs) media database, which we'll link on because I think you make money. I mean, do you get some sort of uh, points or um, you get some um, sort of incentives if, if people log on to your database, right? Your uh, you log
1: on, it does not increase uh what's called <laughs> I, I hate to say it this way, but it's called a star meter, right? So it does it puts you higher in a standing. So it does, you know, your information gets shown more more often. Um it's called a star meter but that's, yeah that's well, no
0: reason why we can't pimp you up you know uh for those who <laughs> listen to the a check check out michael vick and help him out so you know when he talks there to a good. producer they can say yeah. oh wow a lot of people went on that website page or whatever um where were you born and raised how did theater grab you
1: so i was born in uh colorado springs colorado my uh my grandparents uh came to the country. My grandfather was uh, in the American military. He was in world war II, Korea and Vietnam. Wow. Um, awarded by Jimmy Carter himself, which is kind of amazing since past. But so I'm from a military family. So my dad was stationed in, Col- in Fort Carson, Colorado. I was born there, but then he got restationed to Fort Dix, New Jersey. Um, so that's, I was basically raised Jersey. My dad was from the Bronx. So Jersey, New York, tri-state area. Um my love for theater really came from so I my aunt, and I think I mentioned earlier when we were off the air, uh worked for McGraw Hill Publishing, which is just above 30 Rock uh Rockefeller Center mm-hmm. in New York City. And as as a kid as eight, nine, ten years old, I would go to stay with her. She lived in East Orange, and I would go to work with her and you know, stuff envelopes, do whatever, little jobs, and she would take me to see uh Broadway shows. So the original run of, you know, A Chorus Line. And and the one show that I remember that really hit me is I saw The uh, the Odd Couple with uh, the amazing Rita Moreno and, wow. Sally and, and Sally Struthers. And I was maybe 10 or 11. And I remember just, I had never laughed so hard that tears came out of my eyes. So it was that sort of cathartic experience, like, oh my God, I can make somebody laugh this hard um so yeah i would say that was the that was the the catalyst right there and and you know it just blossomed and then you know high school and college i was in drama club and did plays and stuff and um yeah and then as an adult moved to new york and sort of life you know my 20s i started having a little bit of fun and so i i lost track of that but then in my late 20s when i moved. Uh, to San Francisco, that's when I decided, I got to do this. I got to, this is what I do. And I enrolled in ACT. And yeah, and from there, I just started doing show after show. Uh, yeah, that's 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 where it came from.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, being in New York and, you know, when you talk about, you know, having young and fun in, in New York, this is around the 80s, right? I think you and I are around the same age.
1: Yeah, I just turned uh, 52 uh, last week. <laughs>
0: And I turned 52 in June. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah. So I was going to New York as uh, late 80s, basically, and then living there. Uh, into the in the 90s you know I was in my 20s.
0: Yeah when I think about New York in the 80s I mean it was so I mean it's interesting and I've talked about this before if something happened let's say if a kid got shot by a cop in I don't know uh, East Jiblip New Jersey or whatever everyone would hear about it but uh, in New York I mean you had Yusuf Hawkins who you know was uh, brutally killed by a bunch of uh, white kids because I guess he was mistaken for a black guy who was dating a, a you know a white woman uh, you had uh, the Central Park Five that was going on. You had Tawana Brawley. I'm sure you remember a lot of this. There was so much, uh, you know. A lot of millennials think about, oh, you know, Black Lives Matter, but there was sort of a movement going on. I mean, Do the Right Thing was filmed at Spike Lee in New York during the late '80s when you and I were there. So I'm sure you remember a lot of that.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I, you know, I, going back to New York now, it, it's such, it's the polar opposite from what i remember you know um yeah i i I, like i was saying earlier going down 40 walking down 42nd street from the port authority to go to uh where my aunt worked and just you know you got the you have the porn shops and you have yep i remember uh, them i one of the things that stands out in my head the most i was with my aunt and watching some dude get clubbed on the head and it was just it was a sort of casual moment we didn't run, we didn't, you know, two step it out of there. It was just, oh, that guy just got hit on the head.
0: And yeah. He just, I mean New York we'll was just very, keep walking. <laughs> yeah. New York was very, very aggressive then. Yeah. You know, a yep. lot of folks they get involved in theater, let's say when they're young or they do the high school thing and it's like a, a passing fancy and then they move on. But then there's some folks who are like, you know, this is this is something I love to do. And also this is something I can do. This is a I have a yep. gift inside of me. Did that happen for you while you were in school or did it happen, let's say when you enrolled in ACT? I mean, uh, when did you, when did you make that crossover where this is it, this is my life? I,
1: I always knew that I loved it, uh, through, through, through high school and and college. And, you know, in my twenties, when I wasn't doing it, I, I thought about it a lot. I thought it was a, that coulda, shoulda, woulda. And that feeling that, okay, that, that if I didn't get into it right out of college, you know, that's the one thing they don't, they don't tell kids, you know, that out of college, Hey, you got to start working at it. You know, you're not handed, you know, a three picture deal or whatever. So, you know, I thought it was, it was far removed at that point. And so, yes, it was when I enrolled Reg at, at ACT, I literally, now I'm getting a chill. I started crying on the way home.
0: Wow. Just wow. because it
1: was just this release of, Oh my God, I'm doing it. Cause I didn't know, can I do it? Right. And I, you know, I know I love it, but do I do this? And uh, it is not braggadocio; it's just the truth. I landed my very first play audition in San Francisco it was a Ronnie Larson play, and uh,
0: what yeah, what company? It, but, what company?
1: Uh, Ronnie Larson was doing Ten Naked Men.
0: Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we were just Over talking about at that
1: the, at the Eureka. And at the Eureka,
0: was, yeah. Where Theodore Rhino is now, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. And you know, and when you know, it, it sounds like you came to the Bay Area. Was it in like 2000? You mentioned 2001. I guess it was December 2001. Yeah,
1: 2001. So we spent uh, a year in Tucson, 2002 in Tucson, Arizona. Don't ask. <laughs> and then went to the Bay Area. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it was a long year, my friend. Uh, and then to the Bay Area. So yeah, so like 2000, end of 2002, we moved to San Francisco. Um. So yeah, but after that, you know, the one thing that really got me going was, you know, John Fisher at Rhino
0: gave
1: gave me a part in Bent, um, which really showed me that I can do this. I'm good at this, and 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 I found it okay to say, "Hey, I'm good at this. I'm not great. It's always it's a continued learning process, but I could do it." And he took a he took a chance. You know, I was kind of I had no real resume except for I had done the Ronnie Larson uh, play and I had some classes and I had my college education, but he took a chance and then it was just one thing after another. And I'm so grateful, you know, to him and Theodore Rhino for that.
0: Yeah, no, we interviewed uh, John Fisher and he talked a lot about, you know, what Bay Area theater was in the Bay Area, you know, back when he first came in, mm-hmm. and how it's transitioned now. And uh, you can have a Theater Rhino shirt. I, I'm sure you can uh, do There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Yeah. I was going to to ask you, um, because when I talked with John Fisher, you know, uh, the, one of the cool things about, I guess, the newer movements, the, the, how the millennials are taking over and, you know, social media, and the acceptance <clears throat> of people of different... Um, sexual orientations and just the openness—you know—the things that you can talk about now that you couldn't talk about, let's say, in the '80s or or whatever. Do you find that things are easier uh, for you, um, or is it harder? Um, I mean, you know, do, uh, is is there is there is is the acceptance greater for the game? Um, absolutely,
1: but but I think you know I I, I'm, I I have the advantage of living in cities where you know. There's a
0: bit of a bubble, a good bubble.
1: Yeah, you know, San Francisco, I now live in LA, Um, but growing up, you know, I didn't, I knew I was gay, but I didn't have a sense, I didn't have a word for it. There was no, they didn't know what it was, you know, I knew I looked at boys differently than I looked at girls, and so there was no definition, there was no, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I moved to the big city you know my first city i lived in was philadelphia and when i became part of that community um once i became part of the community it didn't feel yeah i i, I i've gotten a lot of acceptance i i you know i'm grateful that i didn't deal with you know much uh you know anti anti-gay sentiment
0: well that's in, good in That that's good i talked with um there's a um woman, Sherilyn Connolly, who is a transitioned woman and uh, she's done a lot of work at um the darkroom theater and she's even written a book about about you know, I guess uh, San Francisco and how it's changed. And she talked very openly about how she wished she um I, I guess she wished she would have been, you know, a younger gay person during this time because mm. she didn't have to live in in the closet you know, back in the 80s or whatever, um, you know, whether it be your family or, or, or what have you, and uh, how things are a little better. And of course, you know, the struggle is still going on now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we accept that, but it sounds like things are getting a little bit better.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I did have an advantage family wise, you know, I had a very, very, very liberal family. Um, the aunt I speak up who worked at 30 Rock, is, is a lesbian, uh? So gayness, uh, and 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 trans and everything wasn't, a, you know, an anomaly in my family.
0: Well, that's you know, good. I, that's it, awesome. It was already it was
1: already present. So by the time I officially came out when I was in college, it was like, oh well, no kidding,
0: you know. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. And and you know, you would think. Oh, a military family, and you know, military background. You know, your—I uh, think you talked about your, great, your grandfather, or whatever. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. That—that that is just fantastic.
1: I will say this: you know, uh, this isn't to be sad or anything like that. It—it it just is what it is. You know, my dad left when I was ten. My sister was six. Uh, it would have been very different if—if if my father had stayed, because I, he was I very full of that Latino machismo and and even though, you know, we, we, we speak now and he has no problem with it. I think then it would have been very, very different. Yeah. So thanks for leaving dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, listen, everyone is going through the transition of, you know, how to speak and, you know, the language and being politically correct and what have you. So everyone is going through that and it's a proper transition to something that, you know, we all need to be respectful for. It's mm-hmm. even happening in the theater community where, you know, Sure, you know, we can accept people who are different, but we want to also see them on stage and see them represented correctly. Uh, do you think about that when you um, audition for roles, or whatever, not that you're going for roles that represent you, uh, obviously you can play anything that you want, but is that something that you specifically look for?
1: No, no, not at all. Um, in fact, I, I find when, when it has to, if there's a role that calls for a flamboyant gay, you know, whatever, that's supposed to mean in terms of the role uh I kind of shy away from it because it's uh, it's, it's, it's cliche it's,
0: it's yeah cliche. and it's yeah.
1: intrinsically not me you know it's it's not something I think I can give well um so I I, I kind of shy away from it
0: yeah no I mean that make, makes perfect sense I mean you know there have been plenty of times that you know as a black man they say oh you know we're doing fences or we're doing you know we need a a black I don't know butler or something like that and I'm like you know, I, I think I can do way better than that. So, no, I yeah. totally understand. I but mean, the,
1: acting is essentially playing, and, and I, I want to play with the most toys possible. And I'm already gay. I, I already play with that toy, so to speak. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'd rather take roles that are, that are not what I already am.
0: Yeah. Now, are, do you, are you still involved in theater, or do, are you primarily doing film now, only film.
1: Um, I, I'm still involved in theater. I mean it has it it's eking its way back here. Um I'm not equity, so I can't really you know, a lot of a lot of big theater comes here from other places. So they already have casts so things of pent ages, uh the bigger theaters, you know, there's no casting going on. So it's usually little I've done fringe shows here, um here and there. But uh yeah, you know, when, when stuff comes up, I'm I still put myself out there. Yeah, um, hopefully it, hopefully the small theaters will come back stronger. But there isn't a whole lot of money given to the arts here in that in that way. So hopefully that'll change.
0: Yeah, it is the unfortunate thing. I mean, uh, obviously, the, we've in doing the yay. We've had a lot of people come on and they've talked about the yings and yangs of being equity or being union like SAG-AFTRA and not. If you're in an area where there is SAG after or equity work, then it's perfect. You're in the union and you can yeah. get your jobs. But a lot of times the doors are closed if you are equity and there are not a lot of equity you know, shops.
1: I feel that way uh, about being SAG. Um, in retrospect, I would not have joined as quickly as I did when I, when I came to L.A. Um, I became eligible when I was in San Francisco. I was on an episode of, do you remember that uh, that medical drama that was being shot uh, in the Bay? Uh, it was called Trauma.
0: Was oh, you know what? Yeah.
1: ER with helicopters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it lasted a season or two. So I, I got a, a decent role on, on an episode and that made me eligible. And the minute I got to L.A., I was encouraged to join, which it, uh, it was kind of shooting myself in the foot because I didn't have L.A. credits racked up. So it would have been good for me to do some non-union films, some student films, to get LA credits, because you know it's 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 a, a unfortunate truth that a lot of times uh, casting directors look at say a San Francisco theater credit and it's you know they sort of poo-poo it like if it's not LA if it's not LA then what is it? Sort
0: yeah, of that well attitude. that's unfortunate, and it's good to you know because obviously anyone's listening to this or watching this. They want to do what you're doing, you know. They're like, Oh wow, I'm in you know, the Bay Area or I'm somewhere else, and I want to be in Hollywood or whatever. But they yeah. need to understand the reality of what's going on. It's yeah, it's, I would say get yeah.
1: rack up some LA credits when you get here. If you're not SAG AFTRA, if you're eligible, whatever, uh, get some LA stuff, get get known, get your face seen, and then and then when it's time, then you join.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about technique. I'm very big on technique and I'm, I'm always interested to see if people still use what they use in school, what they were taught in school. Like, were you taught like, let's say Stanislavski stuff or method acting or any sort of technique that you still use or really everything that you do when you're on the stage or in front of a camera is really just from life experiences?
1: Yes, that, that's exactly it because I have gotten a, a peppering of, of, of all of it. Basically, and then when I came to LA, uh, I started taking classes with an amazing teacher, Howard Fine, who has has worked with you know some of the the biggest A-listers out there. Um, so yes, it, it comes it all comes from life experience. I have uh, you know I'm grateful for my emotional access. You know I know how to access my feelings pretty. Pretty easily. I don't so have to. So you can,
0: to, you can cr- you cry at the drop of a dime? I,
1: I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a but lot of folks can. Take, you know, I don't really do. Uh, I used to do substitutions, but I don't really have to anymore. I know what the feeling is. You know, you know I could substitute my, my past grandmother, but I don't have to because I, I, I still, I know what that feeling is. Of her, Does that make it, does that make sense?
0: No, that totally makes sense. You know, there are a lot of folks, like I remember doing Civil War Christmas and uh, for a while I was like, okay, I've got to cry, you know, but I'm in 1864 and of course I, I don't have a life experience to deal with this, so maybe I need to do a transition. But as the rehearsal process goes on, I bond with the actor, the supposed person I'm going to kill, this 12-year-old boy who's a Confederate, but mm. I don't want to kill a 12-year-old. And at the last minute, I'm like, I can't do this. Um, all of a sudden, you know, if, if it kicks in and you're invested in the work and if the work is good, the emotions yep. will come in. But yep. like, like you said, it takes practice and it also takes, you know, you have to have the emotional, um, you have to sort yeah. of be almost like a sponge to soak it in.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and then have acting partners that, that, you know, that you're listening to, that you're having, you know, you're not just saying, you know, because I've been in shows where it feels like, oh, we're just saying words to each other
0: but right. you
1: know, the difference in having an actual sort of emotional connection and intention is a big difference. I mean, there, there were times, I remember in college I did a play called the uh, disenfranchisement of the Susie Q, something like that. Anyway, I was a convict who had a limp. And so rather than just limping, my method uh, was to continually hurt my foot daily. You know, I would, you know, stomp on my own foot to make sure that I could feel the pain. Mm. So by the end of by the end of that run, my foot wasn't uh, doing so well. Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend that, but uh, <laughs> that was my my biggest experience with being super method.
0: Yeah, 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 method. I, there was a I stage manager show where um, I guess someone needed to be uh, drunk on stage, and you know, one guy was like, "Well, just give me real alcohol." I'm like, "Oh, no, I don't know no, about no. that."
1: <laughs> Oh gosh!
0: I think we did it at the, last, the very last show, <laughs> but that was it. Um, regarding the business of, of I guess, art. Do you? Oh, here's a question for you. Do is, is there a part of Bay Area theater that you miss, or are 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 you enjoying doing what you're doing right now?
1: I miss the, you know, I'm going to bring up Rhino again because you know John Fisher likes to work with uh, similar people. It, you know, they're always familiar faces in in shows and i think i did maybe eight shows for rhino and worked with some of the the, the same people uh, uh several times i like that sort of that camaraderie that that family there's a you know feeling of family you know every time i did a show for rhino i felt like i was going home
0: yeah it's know? almost like a repertory and, company yeah yeah
1: so yeah uh, uh, you know here it's a little bit it's it's more cutthroat you know it's some of the, especially with, yeah, some of the fun's taken out of it. You know, it's very much more, you know, a, a rat race here. And and it, having camaraderie with another actor it, it isn't as easy. Because everybody wants, you know, everybody wants the roles. And even if you're not up for the same role, well, they're jealous if you got it anyway. You know, if, if you're working and they're not. So there's that sort of element I don't like, this
0: Yeah, no, I I totally hear you. There are folks who are involved in theater because they want that family atmosphere and they enjoy just doing things or whatever. But then there are folks who realize, hey, this is a business, you know. I may like you, I may hate you, but, you know, I'm here to, you know, to yeah. put something on my resume, get paid so I can move yeah. on. And, you know, it takes a different type of mentality. And it sounds like you may have had the mentality of, wow, this is wonderful. This feels great. You know, being with Rhino and be, acting with, you know, got people that I've always worked with, but I'm sure there's the business side of it. It's like, Hey, listen.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but what I t- took away from that, and I, I'd like to think that that has made me uh, a person somebody wants to work with here you know i i am i am you know very uh i could be enjoyable to be around on a set you know even if i'm in a in a bad mood or not you know in a good place you're never going to get a sour mic on set
0: yeah so to speak. no that's you know. awesome yeah and i mean you know like your there was i remember when we did a hundred years of queer theater I forget the piece that you were in because we were in different pieces. Like I did one that was directed by John Fisher. Uh, I think it was, um, um, it was, it was, I think it was the first gay uh, piece that was ever written. It was done like in 1900, but you did a piece where I think you were in bed with a man. Uh, Do you remember the piece that you were in? I did. I think I did three in that show. I did the one you,
1: you were in. And then I did one with, uh, Oh, it was it was a,
0: I can't remember, but it was very intimate and, uh, you know, you had a, you had a great, great presence. And uh, so that was one thing that I've, I've always remembered. Um, Oh, shucks. I I had a a quick question. Um, Well, oh, that's right. Um, Do you want to, you know, there are a lot of folks who are doing YouTube videos and they're sort of expanding, you know, their presence. Have you thought about doing that? Do you do that? Do you, are you on like Vimeo or do you do other, (laughs) <laughs> no
1: I, I, I i'm not i i posted my reel on vimeo and i so i think it's 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 there um i don't really do the the content um yeah that I, sort of stuff i, I don't have the tickety-tockety on my phone or anything like that and that's no slight to it but i i have no uh no a- a ambitions to be a uh popular on the uh on, on the, the internet
0: yeah yeah the, the whole um, YouTube thing. I, yeah. I do
1: post I, I do uh, post regularly on Facebook and Instagram. Um, because I love that a big cross section of people in my life, whether it's family, friends who I know all over the country and and parts of the world, uh, old high school friends, college friends, I, I really enjoy them to be able to to see what I'm doing, and they enjoy it. you know people they they do they want to see what's going on in my life. Awesome. so I will post for you know for that reason.
0: Yeah. How has, um, you know, I think I know the theater community, especially here in the Bay Area, has been affected with COVID-19 and they're still coping with it now. There are a couple of theater companies that have closed. They're like, hey, we're not bringing in any money and, you know, we can't pay the landlord. How is it, if, if it at all, has, has, how has COVID-19 affected you and let's say you getting jobs? Have you lost jobs? Uh, you talked about you know, you're know you a bartend- bartender and, you know, luckily you're yeah. still working. But um, are you, are film studios, I don't know, shutting down? Are you not getting a lot of calls because of, I don't know. There's a
1: re, uh, you know, I'm bringing myself back into it because after being uh, shut down for, you know, basically 15 months, uh, a lot of production was was shut down. Nobody was filming anything. There was certainly no theater. Um, So I felt like, okay, uh, that absence means I had to... uh, Come back to it fresh. So I just got new headshots, just got, you know, uh, I have a new edit, a uh, reel being edited and stuff. So I'm about to uh, immerse myself again in it. Even though I was able to do some things here and there, as you saw the Cash Money Honey I did in June, uh, shot an episode of uh, Jerry Springer's uh, court show in New York. Uh, oh my God, Sunday. Jerry
0: Springer's still around, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's doing, yeah, they, sometimes they hire real people, but sometimes they hire actors. So our 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 case was totally fabricated. Um so yeah, so I'm just getting ready to reimmerse myself in it. Uh but yeah, everything pretty much was shut down and all the protocols too, Reg, are just I, I mean they're 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 hard to wrap your mind around sometimes. Just to do the uh Jerry Springer thing, they wouldn't book our tickets until we got a a test, a COVID test here, even though we vaccinated. So even though we'd signed the contracts with NBC, I had to get a test here. Then they booked the flight. Then when we arrived at JFK, we, got a, we were taken to get another test. And then before filming, there was another test. Mm. So just to – and I was literally on set for about a, an hour and a half.
0: <laughs> Look, <laughs> you spent more time York, testing than you actually did yeah, filming.
1: flown to New York, driven from JFK to Connecticut, hour and a half on set, three tests. So –
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, they yeah they want to avoid litigation, and of course well, they yeah, want to course. have a safe environment. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I I just those sort of those protocols in place just uh, I think they slow they put cogs in the wheel. You know, they just slow things down a little bit.
0: Yeah, but at least you know you're at least you know you're getting. They haven't shut totally anything down. You're still getting jobs. So that's good. That's yeah. a very good thing. Where do you see yourself, I don't know, five or 10 years from now? Do you want to stay in, in uh, I just want to say L.A., Hollywood? Yeah. Um, are you satisfied? Are you a frustrated actor? Are you, are you getting the most out of you know, the, the industry?
1: Um, I, I haven't given myself I'm, – I'm hardest on myself. I really am. I am. And I don't think I've given it my all yet. I get frustrated with myself, you know. I feel like I'm, I, I hold back a little bit, um you know. I, I overthink too much, and I don't want to make the wrong decision. So rather than making a decision to do something, I, I you know.
0: Yeah, I hear it, you. I, yeah, I think it, we all, you know, especially when I see friends of mine doing great things, I'm like, geez, what yeah. the hell am I doing?
1: <laughs> I'm not leaving here, Reg, until I win an Oscar. <laughs>
0: And you should, hey, yeah, you know. you. Vega, you're, Oscar winner, 2024. That's right. You'll he, have to remember us. Now, you mentioned, uh, do, you, do you also write? Do you do other things other than act?
1: I do, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not published or anything like that, but in my spare time, I do, you know, I, I write. I used to have a blog um, that had a lot to do with being in the service industry, so it was very sort of a... Uh, Slice of life stuff, sort of like in the vein of uh, David Sedaris. Mm, sort yeah. of, you know, this is what happened today, and you know, and that can be pretty funny when I write. Um, yeah, you know, at home I, I you know, I paint and um, and I sing, and you know, I'd like to explore that much more. Oh, um, how
0: about musicals? You ever, you ever, um, have you done a musical before?
1: I have sung in a in a play, but I've never done a musical. Um, I don't. While I, I can sing. Uh, I would have to train a bit to be able to sustain. A oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, but, I uh, you know I could build something out for you right now, <laughs> but could I do it? You know, tomorrow probably not.
0: yeah no no i totally hear you well i mean you know every time i see and i see posts of you you know you're very active on facebook you seem always very happy very energetic you've always been an energetic person and uh you you know have always been a great presence on stage and on the camera so i knew i had to uh grab you when i could to uh to get you on the yay i want to uh, thank you so much oh wait a minute you're also doing a um you you have a radio thing so why don't you promote that
1: oh so it's you know it's my it's my friend's show it's called on the rocks radio which is on? It's on all the apps: Roku, Spotify, uh, iHeart, uh, On the Rocks Radio. Uh, it's basically an, an entertainment radio blog show. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you archive it, uh, I co-host sometimes, but I also studio produce. Meaning, I, ju- I go in there and I, I you know I deal with guests and what have you. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of interesting people on there. Um, t- we've had Tippy Hedge. Drin on and,
0: John wow, and,
1: and Naomi No Naomi Grossman from American Horror Story. Uh yeah, who was there recently? Um oh Ellen's ex, uh Anne Hayes
0: Oh, Anne Hayes wow. You she get you something. get the real names. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it varies from you know, oh, we, you know, this week we have some porn stars, and then we have Anne Hae. Just you know. yeah, I'm ama-
0: I'm I'm amazed Tippi Hedren's still alive. for those who don't know, she was in I think it was The Birds. Yeah, yes.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, her
0: her her daughter is Melanie, Melanie Griffith. Griffin. That's um, right.
1: Yeah, Ooh. she's she's so beautiful, and she's like she's really really little. I mean, I was amazed at how tiny she was.
0: Yeah, I'm sure she could tell some horror stories about Alfred Hitchcock. I, you know, I hear oh he's a total butthole uh, of here. Oh, oh, you know who
1: told some stories about Hitch, too, was uh, we had Elenia Douglas on there, and she was amazing.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, you got to check out. So for folks, check out On the Rocks Radio, and uh, if I find the link, I'll put the link on there as well. Okay. On the Michael, Rocks
1: Radio Show.
0: On the Rocks Radio Show. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Michael, Thanks thank you too. so much. I want to promote a couple of things that are happening in the Bay Area before I close it up. Um, Pericles, Prince of Ty. that's what uh, Norman is in right now. He's rehearsing. Uh, that um, is, <clears throat> I believe that's going to be live streamed. That SF Shakes is doing that. And Alan Coyne is also in the play. So uh, check that out. He was a former um, guest on the A. Working, uh, that wonderful musical by Studs Turkle. Um, is Playing by the Palo Alto players September the 17th through October the 3rd. Eko Yamamoto is in that musical. Larry, the musical Brava Theater, is handling that. Uh, Melvin Badiola is part of the production team. Also, A Winter's Tale, Cal Shakes, that opened on September the 1st. It closes October the 2nd. Sharon Shao is in that. Cry of Curs, an adaptation of Coriolanus, Taber Theater is doing that. Uh, Jonathan Williams. Letitia Duarte and Lick Mandrakia are in the show, Into the Woods. Um, that is uh, playing uh, from November the 19th through December the 23rd. Anna and a Yohaim and Mara Sotelo is in that. And uh, a couple of folks are doing the podcast thing. Uh, Barry Graves, um, who was in my show. I've been doing a lot of writing, Michael, uh, as when I'm off the stage. So I wrote a wonderful play called uh, Foreman in Paris, and he uh, Barry played... Right. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, Barry played uh, Richard Wright. And so Barry has his own podcast, A Black Man's Heart. So check that out. Our consulting producer Mallory Samara is producing uh, has a podcast called Connect the Dots. Uh, Bindlestiff Studios has the Fobcast. And lastly, Bridget Dutta Portman, uh, a wonderful playwright, has a uh, kid's book out, The Twin Stars, a young adult science fiction fantasy novel that deals with mental health mental health themes, and it can be bought on Amazon. All right, that is it. Michael, did you have a good time?
1: I had a great time. Thank you so much. It was great seeing you. And uh, yeah, this is great.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, you know, anyone who, um, well, in the Hollywood area who's looking for a great actor and listening to this, uh, you got to check out Michael Vega and please check out his uh, internet media database uh, website. And uh, anything else you want to promote, Michael, uh, send me a link and I uh, will uh, promote it for you
1: sweet thank you i really appreciate that right
0: right on all righty folks uh if you're listening to this if you're watching this on uh, youtube please like and subscribe as the young folks say if you you know anything that you like or don't like about it let us know in our comment section if you're listening to this on the traditional podcast app we're on all podcast apps we're on spotify we're on that green podcast app that you see on your iphone or ipad or if you're an android user you can use um and you can use uh, Spotify, not Spotify. You can use Spotify as well. But you can use the SoundCloud app and you can see it. VA was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit me up. I'm on Red Space Clay. Norman is on Hoosier Hoosier. Michael, do you have a um, social media like uh, Instagram or um, Twitter?
1: Yes. At uh, I don't really use, I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it. Uh, but uh, on Instagram, at, Facebook is Michael Vega. And then Instagram is Michael Vega X.
0: Michael Vega, X, E-X? Oh, Axe, act, Axe, got it, X yeah. okay. And we'll write that down so people can just click up on it. Alrighty, I'm gonna close I it up. I
1: enunciate better when I'm on stage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very much so. Alrighty, thank you so much. And I'm gonna close it up and we are out.